Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and Bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. The UFC is back this week, and with a card headlined by Kai Car France, who came out this week with a big statement 
and it was about his teammate Israel Adesanya. I want to get into that plus. On today's show, I'm going to tell you why I think John Jones is lying to you all, and I got a message for Justin Gaethje because I really don't think he understands what he's signing up for at UFC 291. Lots to get to today, guys, but I want to begin with what I think is the biggest story in the UFC this Friday. Have you ever wanted something? Of course you have. It's a rhetorical question, but I do want you to think about it. That part of being very direct and sincere, have you ever wanted something? Okay, great. More specifically, when you wanted something, did you want to wait? I didn't say are you willing to wait. I didn't say are there times that you had to wait. I used the word want. When you wanted something, did you want? Meaning, was it your preference? Was it your choice? This is what you prefer. You want the Nintendo. Let's say you wanted a game. I didn't say you wanted a quarter to go put in a machine. I didn't say you wanted an Atari. I said you wanted a Nintendo. But now I'm at that's your preference. I'm asking you, do you want? Is it your preference to wait? Of course not. Y'all said no. It's stupid. It's a stupid thing I just said. So I I keep getting asked the same question is where this is coming from. I keep getting asked whether it's on social media or it's even in our comment section, the same question as it has to do with Conor McGregor. Does he want to fight? Does he want to fight Michael Chandler? And, and, and it's interesting. I, I, yeah, yes, and let me move on with my day, which, I, which I've done a number of times. I've answered the question, yeah. And then I've moved on with my day. But it doesn't seem that that has sufficed. So let's break it down. The key word that you're using, you didn't say, is he willing? You didn't say, is he agreed to? Is, is, is he signed? I mean, you, you didn't say those things. The key, yes, does he want? Well, let me ask you something. When you wanted something, did you want to wait? And you're telling me no. Never in your life did you prefer to have something and you preferred also to not have it for a while. So that's the word want. What, what do you want to do with it? You want to do something else? Go ahead. Connor apparently does not want to fight Chandler the same way that we wanted a Nintendo. We did not choose and want to win. It wasn't we weren't willing to. Maybe you got a holiday coming up. You got a birthday coming maybe, maybe something like this. You got to work extra chores and get extra money. I understand where there's a necessity to wait. But would you elect to? If it was your choice to have it now or to not have it now. Do you see the difference? But if you're using the word want, that's how we're going to have to break it down. We're going to have to classify it. We are now at, and I quote, paperwork. What's stopping Connor from entering the USADA pool, which will start the clock, which will bring us to an eligibility where that fight could happen, where we're told is being delayed by paperwork. And there's paperwork that comes with it. I don't begrudge it. I don't have a problem with it. I didn't really care when it was said three days ago. Moved right on with my day. But you're asking me if he wants to fight Chandler. And I'm asking you to define want through yourself when you have wanted something. Was it your preference to have it now? Or was it your preference to wait? It's a situation where every day that that paperwork is not done. 
literally. Every hour it's not done. Every week and every month that it's not done, it pushes the opportunity for you to have what you want out. And now it's on you. Like I couldn't play this game with Chandler. In fact, it would be the exact opposite. It would be the exact opposite. He would do whatever he had to do to get this clock started so that this fight could happen. And it's the only tell that we have. It's it. And I don't want to make too much of it. But at some point, I'm going to have to. And it won't be any more than you don't want to fight, right? I mean, that's very childish, but we do it all the time. We do it from the playground to the octagon all the time. You're scared. You don't want to do it all the time. This will never end. It happened to Francis Ngannou two weeks ago. It will never go away. But it happens on the playground and it happens in the octagon. It shouldn't go away. We, the audience, just generally can't see it. Guys are good. They've gotten really good at getting out of doing something. I felt as though Connor, who I've never seen make an excuse, by the way, but if he needed to, if he was going to do it for the first time, I felt as though it's already built in, right? It was captured on 4D. Seen around the world. Leg broken half. He's not healed. He's not ready. I, I mean, I just feel like the excuse, it's already there. We, we wouldn't need another one. We've already got it. That's what I would feel. And I still feel that way. And I think that it's be, the, the paperwork, whatever else is going on that stopped that from getting, we got a paperwork issue. Okay, great. And I will continue to feel that way for a period of time, but I can't do it forever. There's, there's a lot of ways to get out of doing a fight, man. They're hard. I've seen it. The, the, the most classic way early on, I'm going back to the 90s, but right, this UFC started in 93. Going back to the 90s, the most classic way was to just price yourself out. Yes, I will do it publicly. You get to be, you get to be a man. You get to have honor. And then you state a price that you know no promoter will meet. Well, told you I would do it. I mean, now it's on you. You're saying no to the yeah, That's how they got out of fights. And then it got a little tougher over time. Like guys wanted to be the tough guy, but they would even sign. And they were signing to get the headlines to brag about it. But as the fight got closer, they'd realize, oh, crap. Do you know what I agreed to do? I can't go through with this. And all of a sudden, right, you know, oh, I fell off a ladder and my shoulder hurts. I mean, right, you just started seeing them, but you you understood. You let them slide just in case you ever had to do it yourself. I mean, fight or flights are a, a real thing. So you let the guy that fell off a ladder and you let the guy that, oh, he hurt his knee. And you let the guy that I didn't know my niece is getting married the same weekend. You let these things go. But if you're asking me with the word want, and we're going to define that by something we can all relate to. It, it, it starts to be a little bit tough. And I can tell you where Connor is at emotionally. I can tell you a couple of things about it. First and foremost is that Connor feels nobody understands it and nobody's ever been through it. It is unique to him. That is number one. And number two, hey, Connor, privately, hey. Do you want to fight him? Well, sometimes. Okay. Are those times ever when you're you're listening to music? You hear a radio going, you start to get amped up. Yeah? Okay. Are those times ever where you're watching other fights and it looks really cool to be out there and the crowd popping and the... Yeah? Okay. 
Are those times ever when somebody in the media calls you and you're doing an interview and you start cutting a promo and you start really believing in it passionately? Yeah. And then after a couple of hours, that dies down and you're not sure it's still a great idea. Does that sound right? And yeah, that would be it. Now, all of those things that I just told you don't pertain to the greats being willing to walk out there anyway. And Connor qualifies as a great. There was plenty of things that you've seen and plenty of things that Octagon he didn't want to do. But he agreed to and he went out there and he found a way to get victory. So as much as the average fan believes that mindset controls everything, now there's the guys don't want to do this all the time, but they go and do it. Discipline, it's a toughness. I mean, I'm just sharing that with you. But we don't get to ride the wave of Connor was hurt. Connor took something. Connor's playing a game with Usada. Connor's staying out of the pool until he can clear the pool. We, we don't get to play that game forever. At some point, we, we have to go to the other option, which is I don't want to fight Michael Chandler for whatever reason, but I don't want to do it. And I don't know what part of that statement is the problem. I don't want to fight Michael Chandler. I don't know what part of that's the problem. Is it the Michael Chandler? Not likely. Is it the fight? I don't want to fight. So can I stop right there and not even include the name? Or do I just need to change the name out? No, probably the name, we probably never get to it. I don't want to fight. That's, that's we could probably stop right there. So, so we can do the, he got juiced up. He looks good. The ankle was broken. He played a game. We can do that for a while, but at some point we've got to stop because USADA can test him 100%. They can walk up to him and they can ask him for a test. He could even decline it. But the request can be made. And they've chosen not to. That's a story for another day. Conor McGregor want to fight Michael Chandler? I'm not going to answer that, but I'll offer you this. He is electing to delay the possibility. Jake Paul has promised to beat the bleeping F out of Conor McGregor. Where is he going to do this? Conor McGregor fights in the UFC. Jake's not in the UFC. Conor McGregor fights uh, up to 170 pounds. I don't think Jake's ever been to 170 pounds. I mean, I'm just asking, for example, where does that happen? I also, by the way, I think Jake can get to the UFC. I think they would sign Jake. To sign Jake, who's 0-0 in MMA, and get any commission to put him in there with the former champion of the world, I, it's, it's a stretch for me. So I'm just asking, where's he going to do this? Where, where's he going to fight? Where's he going to beat the F and bleep out of him? And I like Jake. You guys know I like Jake. There's a similarity to Conor McGregor and Vandalay Silva. And that I don't like. Which is, there was a period of time. Vandalay Silva was the most frightening person in the world. Not, not only was he the best, not only was he going to whip you, it was frightening that you were going to have to get in there with him. Fans that were watching were frightened at what they were about to see. 
it, it is where he earned the moniker Axe Murder. He didn't give it to himself like most guys' nickname, right? <laughs> he had this one assigned to him. Accurately. And I, I will just tell you, there was a massive period of time. And he was the biggest draw, and he was the highest paid, and he was the champion, and he was the main event. Everything that you ever dreamed of being, all of it is encompassed in one person named Vandalay Silva. And if you go back to that time, nobody called him out. And I do mean nobody. Zero. Zero. So, when you fast forward... And Vandalay turns out he loves the sport. He just wants to stay in it. He wants to be part. There, there comes a time where all of a sudden guys started calling him out. And those guys were trying to call him out, showing, look how brave I am and look how tough I am. Well, you were here when he was here. You were here three years ago when he was here. Why didn't you call him out three years ago? And there's an answer. The answer is because he would have killed you. The answer is because you were scared. The answer was because you didn't want to fight him. Well, why do you want to fight him now? Why all of a sudden now have you found your balls? Where were they? And I, and I only bring you that historical story of Vandalay Silva's career. Conor McGregor. Stop Jose Aldo. 13 seconds. Said he'd fight anybody. Nobody believed him. So they kept talking trash about him. And then he bumped up to 155 and fought anybody. Became the champion there. Kept saying he'd fight anybody. Guys kept doing this. They didn't challenge him. They weren't in his weight class. They weren't trying to fight him. There were other guys that didn't think he would actually move up. Or actually, in Floyd Mayweather's case, they didn't think that he would change sports completely. But he did. But he did. People started seeing this. And they started to believe what he said. And if you go back to that time frame, Conor McGregor was called out by nobody. Nobody. If you think you're going to tell me, Chael, you're wrong, haven't you ever seen who the fuck is that? Just for example, well, I'm going to stand by what I said. I remember RDA, I remember, I remember plenty of guys who are very good, who I respect. Of course I do. But they asked to fight Conor McGregor, and asking to have the Conor fight is not in the same category as calling him out. What Jake Paul did today is call him out said, I'm going to beat the bleeping bleep out of him. There was a period of Connor's career where he was untouchable. Nobody said that. Nobody said they were going to beat the bleep out of him. Nobody said that they, they could beat him. Nobody said that's rightfully their title. Nobody said any of those things. Many people said I would like the fight because Red Panty Night was a very real thing. But I'm just sharing for you to hear today that you're going to beat the bleeping bleep out of a guy who the last time I saw him in a competitive ring, aside from facing off drunk against Mike Perry was moments before I saw him put on a gurney, put in an ambulance, and rush to the hospital because his leg was broken in half. I mean, it's, it's just one of these things. What am I supposed to get out of that? You're going uh, to beat the blank out of Conor McGregor? When? Where? How? How? Are you going to do it in the streets? You're not going to do it in the octagon. We understand that. You're not going to do it in the promotion that you do because Conor's over in this promotion. You say you're going to do MMA, and that's allegedly going to be in the PFL. And I believe you, by the way, but but that's not where Connor's going to be. So then that leads you to the streets. I'm not against it. Maybe it's the streets. I don't like that barbaric stuff myself, but if this is what you're saying, I want to pay attention. The problem is, the last time I saw you in the streets with a guy that Connor stood with for 30 minutes, you turned and ran. I'm not looking to be a dick about it at all. I, I think your, your feet are a great self-defense. If you can just get out of there, get out of there. I'm not against it, but I'm saying, there you were with Floyd, who Connor beat up for 30 minutes. And you ran from him. So we have a common opponent. 
Even in this make-believe land, I'm going to be caught. We, we have a common opponent. The common opponent was Floyd. And when Floyd stepped to Connery, got beat up for 30 minutes. And when Floyd stepped to you, you turn around. I'm just, I'm just, but I'm just saying, let's tell the story fair. Let's just tell the, uh, this is what happened. That's okay. Got a big fight coming up. It's Nate Diaz. Got a lot, a lot of money, a lot of action, a lot of momentum out there. But if we don't have a reasonable play, right? If you're trying to pursue a fight, my God, have at it. But, but if we don't have a reasonable expectation, because the sports are not the same, the weight classes have never matched, and the exclusivity to the contracts of the organizations do not align, how about until that changes, we take Connor's name out of our mouths? question is there any chance but I want to word this exactly the way I was asked is there any chance that Gaethje and Dustin will lead to a world title fight or is that specifically reserved for the winner of Oliveira and Darouche if you're looking for intent it is specifically reserved for Oliveira and Darouche that is the intent all the way down to the fact that if we're going to take two absolute contenders, two hammers, two former champions in Dustin and Justin, we're going to put them in there again, it's got to be for something. And since we know it's not going to be for a title fight chance, it's really hard to justify the bludgeoning that's about to take place. So they even created another championship, right? They made they made it worse, something special. But, but I would just offer that as evidence that no. Intent-wise, this is not being looked at to potentially be number one. But of course, if something were to happen, right? If something were to happen to Darouche, okay, look, big spoiler alert. Okay, big spoiler alert. Oliver and Darouche don't want to fight. Okay, spoiler alert. Only one of them. They, they don't even want this fight to happen. I'm not convinced it's going to happen. Let's say it does happen. Benny wins the fight. Okay, spoiler alert. Islam is not in the gym training right now for Oliveira, and he's training for Darush. He's only training for Darush. I'm not looking to be a dick. I'm, I'm telling you, okay? It's 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 like Duplessis and, and Whitaker. Like, we can play this, but Whitaker's going to win. I mean, we, we can do this if you want. But after Benny beats Oliveira, should something happen? And that could be a lot of things. It could be a passport issue. I mean, there's a lot of things that, can, that have to come around for you to have a world title fight. It's not just a blessing of the decision made. That's what people think. Well, as long as this guy, no, that's a step. And there's a number of things. And sure, I, I think that the winner, Dustin versus Justin, could very well be looked at as the next best thing. I do not believe that that's the direction the organization wants to go in. And I think that's a lot of what the BMF represents. It's an honor. It's a respect. But there is a need there, there is a need for the business to always be looking to the future. And there's few things that are more important when you're doing that than shelf life. If you think two guys are equal and they're close, yeah, yeah, I don't really know what to do. And, uh, yeah, they both, you know, I only got room on my roster for one, right? I'm making a hypothetical example. I can only keep one of these guys. They're both, oh, I like them both there. I can only keep one. You're just going to look at shelf life. That is how that decision will be made. It won't be how, who you look like more or what they've done in the past. 
If one guy is 35 and the other is 25, there's not an actual game going on here. The 35-year-old's out, the 25 years old, and you've got a decade more on him, at least in theory, right? It's a, it's a very important thing. And I only tell you that because no matter how good Dustin and Justin are, you will do anything you can to find somebody else to fight for the belt. Just to give the opportunity to somebody else, to a new era, to a new generation, to a new group of guys. And I'm bringing that to you because, sure, they could go fight for the belt. And the winner, yeah, being really high demand. We'd all like to see it. Like, there's not a question on that. I'm speaking to the intent because that's how I'm interpreting the question. Right. Not one of those, can, can we wake up on Mars tomorrow? You know, is that, yeah, you know, realistic, is this the plan at all? No. Islam is not worried that he's going to be matched up with him, by example. And I think it's a, I think it's a really big deal, whoever wins this fight. I, th I think it's a big deal because of the honor, and not only will they become a champion, not only will they do that, coming out of it, the fall is not equitable. I wasn't a big supporter of this fight. I'm not a prude about these things. But I remember where I was. I was with the Schmo, Schmo and Helen. Ryan's holding the camera. We're in Vegas backstage at a bare-knuckle boxing press conference. The first time I got asked about this fight because Justin Gaethje had just gone to the press and said he wanted it. And I said, no, no, I don't. That's going to be a bludgeoning. That was a bludgeoning the first time. But my problem with wasn't that I don't want to see an action-packed fight. Sure I do. It's not equitable. What would happen to the winner in this case? Always contendership, always rankings, always in the conversation, and now champion. That is what's going to happen to the winner. The fall for the lose, it's not going to be equitable. It's not going to be well, and he goes right over here. And he's in prime position to still be co-main event status and, uh, you know, might even slide into a main event with the right stuff. It's it, No, it doesn't work that he's gone. He is gone. The winner will still be in the... The winner's not getting a title fight. The winner will be in discussion still to get a title fight, right? That's a thing. There's a category, a big, beautiful table called discussions for title fight. And the winner of this is never getting a title fight, but they're, they still go into this cat. They'll be discussed. They can't be dismissed. They're one of the guys. They're one of the, it's a big deal. The loser is done forever. Will never come back into contention. Will never be, they can win their next five fights. They will, they will not even be discussed. And I just don't think that's equitable. I think it's a really big risk and I'm not sure why they're taking it. I'm a risk taker, right? I'm a little surprised to hear myself saying anything, but I'm more telling you that that's where my mind was when I first heard about it. I didn't have all the information. I didn't know it was going main event. I didn't know it was going PPV. I didn't know it was going into a for a championship, for the BMF. I wasn't armed with that. So I'm looking at I'm going, okay, I know how hard the first fight was. Let me just assume the second fight's going to be just as hard. I also know how close the first fight was. So let me assume this is going to be just as close, which means either guy can win. If Dustin wins, does Justin want to go on, right? Justin wants this rematch. He's the one that called for it. He's the one that lost the first one. Something about the first one didn't sit well with him, and he sat on that for five years before he even let the cat out of the bag. So whatever it is that's eating away at him, that could be times to bite two. Is that, so is that something he wants? And the other side of it is if he wins. If Justin goes back into one of the most brutal fights that has ever taken place and he rematches that fight, 
Difference being that one that I'm first re referencing was three rounds. This one's going to be five. So if we have any reasonable expectation, this is going to be a bludgeoning time 70%. Let's say that he wins. We're even. It's one apiece. I mean, what do you do then? I'm just, I'm just asking the question. I'm just asking, the, what do you do then? It seems like something really cool is in store for the winner, right? Big risk comes big reward. For sure. Something's cool. I'd have taken it. I get why the fighters would take it. But I'm sharing with you the other perspective. These are two of our favorites. These are two guys that we love. These are two guys that we respect. And it's going to be a very different outlook post-fight for the loser. BMF title, which he is getting ready to fight for. And Justin wasn't positive about it. I mean, if you go and read the piece, or if you saw the headline, you're aware of what I'm referencing. He wasn't positive towards the belt. And if I was to guess, you understand, this is the guy who's one victory away. A victory that he thinks he's going to get. It's a match that he asked for. It's important to understand those kinds of things. When you're you're attempting to guess who's going to win, the guys always know who's going to win. They will both pretend it's them, but one of them's doing just that. They're pretending. So that you, the viewer, the better, the guy that's going to go put money on it, all you're trying to do is not break down their record or hear about their training camps. You're trying to learn tells. And you're just trying to learn between these two athletes, who do they believe is going to win? They believe the same guy is going to win, right? you got two athletes fighting, they have the same opinion. You're just trying to figure out, do they think it's them or do they think it's this guy? So it's a big deal when I come and tell you that Justin Gaethje asked for the fight. That's a really big clue into trying to figure out who they believe is going to win. And 90 plus percent of the time, they're right. So before you, before you do anything, before you start to break down the striker versus the grappler and the history says, very first, very greatest helpful clue you could have is who do they think is going to win? And that's gonna be hard though. You're gonna have to watch a lot of interviews. You're gonna have to be a, a real poker player. You're gonna have to look for tells, but I share that with you because KG went first, he asked for the fight. It's very reasonable that if he asks for the fight against somebody he's already fought, that he believes he could beat him. And a lot of times fights are set up by the organization. More times than not, a fight is set up by the organization. Main events would go into a different category. Or when I say more times than not, well, main events actually a, a different algorithm. But on the card where you saw main event, that was the 11th fight of the night on average. There was 10 other fights just that night. Those 10 other fights were made by the promotion that saw contracts and new guys are, hey, let's just match them up. There was no thought. There was no buzz. There was nothing. Guys wonder about promotion. I can't, I can't believe they didn't promote me. Well, how many times does a promoter promote something that he thought of? I mean, in all fairness, how many times have you seen a really big fight where a promoter got together and hatched the idea of this guy versus this guy? 
When it's hatched that way over history, how many of them have you seen that blew to be really big fights? Versus when two guys found each other, had the media, had the fan base, had the back and forth, then the promoter stepped in and said, and it just kept going, but the, the flame had already been ignited. I'm, I'm just asking you. So here you have Justin Gaethje, who knows a lot about fighting. He knows a lot about main events. He knows a lot about winning. And he knows about championships because he used to be the champion. It appears that he thinks he's going to win the fight. Now you could equally look to Dustin Poirier, who had a whole bunch of other options, including doing nothing at all because he's been so successful, both competitively and financially. He's always got this something going on with Conor McGregor, a return to the UFC by Nate Diaz. I mean, Dustin Poirier, he's right in the middle of everything cool, and he he jumped on the fight and took it. What's that going to mean to you? I'm just asking you, but these are some of the things, if you're a handicapper, you're going to have to ask yourself long before who kicks harder, who, who goes to the body more often. So, Gagey comes out, and he, he didn't like the BMF belt. He's getting ready to fight for it. If he wins, they give this beautiful bell. I mean, it's just it's a special thing. Whole community looks at it. He can keep that around his waist for photos. He can hold it up high. He can do these different things. I mean, basically, then when you get back to the locker room, you toss it somewhere and hope that somebody gets it home for you. I, I understand. But I'm not talking about the material object. I'm talking about what it represents. I think it's a big deal. I think that his mind would change. But he spoke about it anyway, and that prompted Dan Hooker to come out and speak about the belt. And Gaethje and Hooker both revealed something. They, they, they made a reveal to the audience, but most didn't know what they were saying, even though they were being told something that they had not previously known. And both Hooker and Gaethje together were talking about the fact that this is a title. And they were using that word. And it's powerful. It has a significance within our sport. But that's not the power of it. That's the history of it. The power of it is it has a definition within your contract. You guys might remember a night that... Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje fought for the title of UFC's most violent man. Do you remember that? I loved it. I loved it. I mean, it even had a nostalgic feel to it for me because it brought back uh, memories of Ken Shamrock. Remember, he was the most violent man. So now they're going to fight for the Ken Shamrock's behind us. And now we're going to have the new... Most violent man, but it's not world's most violent man. It's his UFC most violent man. Like it just worked. Everything about it worked. I found out days before that fight. I mean, it was it was for sure the week of. It was Wednesday. It was Thursday. It was just right before the fight. I found out days before that Eddie Alvarez made that up. That Eddie Alvarez was doing an interview and said it, and somebody else like me thought it was real and went with it. And it got to Justin Gaethje, who's doing an interview, who drops it. We all think they're fighting for the title of the UFC's most violent man. Now, the organization didn't come out and back that big deal. They did not call it a title. Big deal, because that's a legal term. It was not coming with a a medal, let's say, like the Olympics or a trophy, let's say, like the NCAA, or a belt, let's say, like we're used to in MMA. 
and it wasn't backed by the company, which is relevant because how a commission will act towards a title match and whether a title match is even at stake is at the direction of the organization, right? But they must disclose it to the commission. If you don't understand that, it's okay. But just trust me when I tell you, it's a big deal. It's a big deal just because it means different things. Not everything means something, right? Not everything we say means something. And then there's other things that do. There's things that do do, and they do carry over to a contract with legal terms. And this would be one of them. A title, which has the right per the commission to be determined. If we're going to do a title, it has the right to be determined by... The promotion. I bring that. Let me go in a little bit of a of a different angle. Okay. My partner Ryan asked me. He said, "Chill. If you're going to do this piece, speak clearly to the audience. Do do not beat around the bush. There's no point of it. Speak clearly to them. I'm trying. I realize I'm failing, but I'm getting. I'm I'm ninety percent there. I I am I am doing a little word game with about ten percent of this. I get I get it, but I'm trying not to. Just imagine a scenario of this. You have the world champion. Throw one at me. Throw a world champion at me." Uh, Israel Adesanya, okay. Israel Adesanya is getting ready to fight. We got a press conference. It's going to be Izzy versus Duplices. We got the press conference set up. We got the people set up. Izzy's the first to speak. Izzy welcomes everybody to the room and then lets them know, just in case they weren't aware, the title is not on the line. And people would laugh. Dana White would laugh. Duplices, everybody would laugh. And Israel said, no, I'm being serious. Title's not on the line. And you can either agree to that and understand that now. I'll still fight him five rounds. I'll fight him in the main event. I'll do, I'll do all the things. You can agree to the fact that the title's not on the line right now, or I'm going to miss weight. Just so you know. I'm going to miss it by one-tenth of a pound, which will then enact and roll over. I mean, it's one of these things. It's silly. It's ridiculous what I just said, right? It's ridiculous. It's never been done. As a matter of fact, it was attempted to be done, and it was laughed at. That was by my own good buddy, Anderson Silva, who got called on two days' notice to board a jumbo jet, get to Las Vegas, fight at 205 pounds against Daniel Cormier, the reigning champion of the world. And Anderson said, I will do all of those things. That is a match that I am not going to win at a weight class that I don't compete at, on a card that I have not prepared for, I'll do it. But I'm only going to do it for three rounds. And he was told, we well, can't do it for three rounds. If you do it for three rounds, it's not a title fight. This is this guy's the champion. You're doing it at the championship weight class. This is a title fight. He says, I'll only do it for three rounds. If you want this favor, man, we can do it for three rounds. They said, but what if you beat him? What if you beat Daniel Cormier? You won't become champion. And Anderson said, yeah, everybody will know that I am champion. And that got dismissed because, no, we won it. It's either a title fight or it's not. But do you see the history of these things? Do, do you see how, how hard to believe that would be if Israel Adesanya went to a press conference, agreed to a match, and said, but it's not a title fight? Do, do you understand how, how hard that is for you to accept? You understand that George Mosvidal did that very thing, correct? You understand that George Masvidal was the BMF champion. You understand he showed up to a press conference at that same weight, in that same placement for that same amount of rounds, but he didn't put the title up.
Do you understand that or not? You then have the information that Dan Hooker has revealed. Now, now, now you have that information. You have the statements made by Gaethje yesterday. Th th this is a tremendous, right? And they just laid it out for you. But Hooker had said it in question form. He revealed the information, but he put a question mark on the back of it. And you got to stand back and go, but how is there a question? It just happened. It, it, the name was George Masvidal. It just happened. So if one champion can compete and not put up the championship belt, why can't another? Why could a guy not be feeling quite to his best and he doesn't want to quite risk it as much and he agrees to do everything except put up the belt? That's not how we do things. I'm not, not moving in that direction, but before you laugh at me and tease me and tell me that could never be done and would never be done, it was just done in the form of George Mosvidal. He just did Ariel's program. This is earlier in the week. I'm catching up. I got to see it this morning. Now, I like to hear from Kai Car France. He's part of City Kickboxing. And that team gives us as good of an outlook and as good of a perspective as to what's happening currently in our industry, as well as what we can expect in the future. They do as good of a job as anyone I've ever seen. As a matter of fact, I know some programs that are the opposite. I am an amateur wrestling supporter, as you know, Penn State University, the reigning champions. You can't get information out of them. That, that is one of the, the, the cultural nuances within that program. And whether that helps them to remain champions or not, I suppose, we don't know. We just know that's something they do and they are champions, so then we assume it must be helpful. I mean, you cannot get information out of that club. If I was to call Coach Casey Cunningham and I was to ask him when Bo Bassett's birthday is, he wouldn't tell me. <laughs> For whatever reason. But he wouldn't tell me. And he'd be very nice. Oh, chill guy. I have to get a calendar out. I mean, I know when it was last year, but I don't... For 2023, God, I have to get back to you. How's everything going out there in Oregon? We, man, we'd be... He would have moved on from that topic, and we'd be three steps down the road before I ever knew it happened. And I only share that with you because city kickboxing is different. And when they tell you things, and sometimes when you ever scratch your head, go, what is he talking about? And then two weeks later, you read the headline, go, oh, wait a minute. That's, he revealed that two weeks ago. So it's a really important club to listen to. Kai Car France came out. He said that there is a large historical significance. That sounds powerful. About what? Glad you asked. About Adesanya defeating Piera in their last meeting. Quote again a little bit faster. There is a large historical significance of Adesanya defeating Piera. One of the biggest moments in our generation. That is a massive statement. Clearly, 
as a younger guy on the roster at City Kickboxing, he looks up to Israel Adesanya, and that is how he has such a misguided and overstated interpretation of that fight. Well, not so fast. Not so fast, because now he's got me thinking. And yes, their relationship is relevant. And yes, where he lives in the world and the significance that it brought that area, the media and the attention and the parades, and I don't mean that literally, but what I, that happened being that close to it would be a little bit more than some of the things that we would understand. That's true. And if you live in this sport, and if you're good at it, you're a top guy like Kai Carr, who very likely will be the world champion someday. There's not a lot else that you do. There's just not a lot of else interest you have. If you're not practicing, if you're at, the, at home and you're relaxing, you're relaxing reading about MMA. You're relaxing watching Errol Hawani talk to other people about MMA. I mean, you just, you really live in the space. And I have to say that because Kai Carr's statement sounds greatly embellished to me. It sounds greatly exaggerated to me. But is it? Israel Adesanya is not yet what he will be. And we just see this with artists. You could be talking about Van Gogh. They don't get their credit until they die. Now, it could be the death of a career. It could be where you take it away and it's over and you look back. But it's very, very true. Nonetheless, my, my uncle won Olympic championship in 64, but he won world championship in 65 for the Celtics. And he ended up getting three more rings, three, three, three rings in total. But he played against Wilt Chamberlain. And my uncle to this day, big real estate guy in his area, and he will use on his car, like a, he's got a big flyer, you know, going to a local restaurant, you, on your way out, you can grab a flyer. He has his flyers in there. And it's a picture of him playing. It says, you know, Mel Counts real estate and whatnot. But it's a picture of him dribbling around Wilt Chamberlain. So this is the time that my uncle played. That's all that I'm trying to share for you. And the highest that he'd ever heard of a guy making in that time was actually Wilt Chamberlain. That was $80,000 a year. And I'm just attempting to share for you, as big as Wilt might be to you basketball aficionados now, he was playing back then. He was on TV then. A lot of you don't even know what a Wilt is. He was playing then. He was famous then. He was on TV then. But it wasn't all that big of a deal and it wasn't overly appreciated. Just so you understand, time went on. And some of the stuff that he did didn't happen again. Some of the numbers that Wilt put up and some of the blocks that he had and some of the rebounds that he stole weren't taken, weren't records that were taken by somebody else for a meaningful period of time. And that's when you begin to look back and look at his career, and it's common. It's a very common thing. Bruce Lee, as a uh, martial artist and as a mind, he was watched in America. People, people were starting to get an idea about him. But he was not praised and supported, not in his time. It was quite the opposite, in fact. He was resisted. Bruce had a philosophy that no one else had, which is if you are a Taekwondo master, feel free to get uh, workouts at the karate gym. That was... That, might make sense to you guys. It wasn't then. Bruce wasn't welcomed or praised within his own circles. Then, a little bit of time goes by, and, and I only bring that to you 
because Adesanya does bring a skill. He does bring a charm. He does bring a charisma. He does bring a team player, a willing to help others, desire to compete that is extremely rare. And when it's gone, it will be valued exponentially more than it is now. That's true. He is one of those players. That's true. Now let's go back to what Kaikar said, right? Those are nice things I said about Izzy. So what? How does that tie to what Kaikar said? Well, because Kaikar made it very clear that historically, I mean, history as we know it, reality that we know would be different had that not happened. That's the part that I'm looking into. So if that had not happened, this guy that we know is going to be great, he's destined for greatness, but a death must happen first. The death of a career. And the way you remember, the way you looked at is tied to how you go out. Not as strong as guys like to make believe, but it is tied to that. So if you get brought down, Piera comes in, and you walk away and you don't ever come back, there is a way after five and six and ten years that you will be discussed that will be different then if you're, in this case, Israel Adesanya, you lose to Piera again, you stay in the division, you continue to compete, you just don't do it for the championship because that guy's there. It is very different in terms of perception. Another scenario, you're Israel Adesanya, you lose to Piera in that contest that Kaikar France references. You go up to 205 pounds. Why? What happens to you there? Because I've heard a lot of you say that is why I'm getting in front of this thing, that he would just go up and he would just uh, take on a world championship. That's tough. That's a tough one. If you lose at 85, you go to 205. To get, to get the opportunity is beyond rare. But to act as though he could get an opportunity a second time after he failed one, you're wrong. You are wrong. That's not what would have happened to Israel Adesanya. Israel Adesanya right now currently, had he lost that match, which is what Kai Carr is referencing, would either be, out of the sport, don't really need your opinion on what you think, there's two options, that's one, or he would be floating around, middleweight or light heavyweight, it would be his choice, he would be floating around, he would not be the top contender, he would not be the top guy, he would not be in title talks, and our sport would be different, our sport would be worse, our sport is better with him as the face of a division, in this case the middleweights, that's true. And that might be as simple as Kai Carr was going with that. I might have gone in a direction that was different than where Kai Carr was going. It was just a big statement. It caught my attention. I rewound it. I listened to it. I go to my partner, Ryan. So what do you think of this? Ryan, I went back and forth. And I think, right, all art is open for interpretation. This is an artist speaking about another artist. That's my interpretation. And ultimately, I think that Kai Carr is right. drug testing and not just to speak on I've been called by by pundits and fighters a lot of people within this space right those are private phone calls but but I'm sharing that I was the guy that was asked about it does PFL have a problem and there's there's a couple of ways to look at it and my answer is no no they don't I look at it in a different way which is and you saw what I'm talking about they went out to Nevada 
and was it nine guys? They got like nine guys in a day. And I, I always get confused because Slap, there was a week and Slap had a plethora of people that were hit in Nevada. But it was like a week later and the same thing happened to PFL. So you know, it was roughly nine guys for the PFL. But then somebody else came in and he was even a tournament winner, a defending winner that was planning to enter this season. So they get pulled and, and the way I see it is that they don't have a problem that PFL has a good system in place for catching these people. Sometimes it's educating them. People generally don't like to to hear that that it was a mistake, but a lot of times it is where somebody didn't know that something that they're taking is banned or at the time that they're taking it, right? It used to just be on fight night. The rules have changed. It's not that out of competition is a very common, very common vernacular and term and discussion piece in our sport, but it didn't used to be. So... When you, when you have these athletes that were hit and are going to deal with that and they're going to do mismatches and they're going to learn from it, but they're also going to become examples for the rest of the roster to look at, oh, what, I'm doing that same thing, right? I mean, this is kind of the way that it goes. I didn't see a big problem with it. I mean, I just didn't. I, I will tell you, I can't remember the last time, and these guys were hitting the bat, both, slap. Whatever happened there, and the PFL, whatever happened there, that was all Nevada. And I can't remember the time a state agency hit somebody for a failed drug test. I can't recall it. Do you? And I'm racking my brain. I can't remember the last time there was ever a failed drug test or a hearing about it or a sanctioning of somebody's license. A commission meeting, did I already say that one? where a card was disrupted because this athlete was... I can't remember the last time that that happened from a state agency. It always has been USADA. And there appears to be, and this is with no data or research, this is me following the sport, and I do want to disclose that, but there appears to be a little bit of an idea by by some of the state agencies that, okay, we have USADA here now. They're doing a really good job. Just let them do it. And I don't know that I care that I have a horse in this race, but not one of those state agencies has had their budget affected. It's very relevant. It would appear that they're not out doing the same kind of a testing. I must tell I, I really don't know. It would appear that they're not out doing the same testing, but their budget hasn't been affected. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So the money is still there. The horsepower is still there. They're not releasing people. They're still taking the taxpayer dollars. They're still getting the money from the general fund. Where are the tests? I think it's a reasonable question. I did a piece on, on USADA as it has to do with Connor a couple of days ago. And believe me, I heard from everybody, including USADA. And I got to tell you, when I speak about USADA, I always do like USADA. They're, they're really good people. They really are. They're very reasonable. The fact that they watch the piece and reach out to me, they're very reasonable people. They did have a discrepancy with what I said. And I want to get it accurate because I know a lot of you come to me. So I'm not above a correction, right? But this is what USADA told me. They said, Chael, you said that we have tested people that are not with us. And I did say that they should walk right up to McGregor, who they've been in front of, and ask him to take a test. They should do that. They have the ability to do that. They have a precedence to do it. They elected to not do that. So electing to hold him up when you had the ability to ask him for a test, which you didn't do. I, 
It's not a huge deal, I'm, but I'm saying it's 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 an argument, and it's going to be brought up, and they're going to have to give an answer for it. And I feel when they contacted me, they were tempted to give me the answer, which is we can't test him; he's not in the pool. And I told you that they have a history of testing people who aren't in the pool. I told you that. And what they wanted to correct me on was the fact that they ran those tests, but not on their own. Not on the dollar of the UFC. Who's paying for the test? This was the argument they're making me. Who's paying for the test? In this case, the UFC is paying for the test. Okay, great. We're not going to go test somebody that isn't with the UFC and then go back and charge the UFC for it. And we haven't done that in the past, at least not intentionally. And they informed me that the examples that I gave, they were working at the direction of a state body. That's true. I remember that. I know I didn't say that in the piece, if you guys remember, but, but I did know that. I don't dispute that. But I just don't think that that's going to hold up. So if you have a state body such as Nevada, who has the right to test its athletes, and Nevada doesn't want to do the test, they don't want to conduct it. They have the right to labs and agencies. Quest, by example. Nevada has the right to test you, but they can use a third party. They can call you and tell you you have one hour to be at Quest, by example. I've gotten those calls before. So what Nevada did in the cases that I cited is they elected, with their authority, they elected to bring in, instead of Quest, by example, USADA. And that is where USADA came in. And they wanted me to make this correction. I'm happy to do it. I'm happy to do it. But I'm not conceding to the over point, right? This is all the words that were said. I've said their words, and, and they're right. So I'm, I'm going to say them to you guys. But the point that they're attempting to make is that they won't test somebody that is not in their pool. And the reason they didn't test Conor McGregor is because they don't have authority over Conor because he's not in the pool. And I'm telling you, historically, that's not true. And historically, that's not how they've operated. Whether they received a phone call from somebody that said they were a government agency or not, it's not, they've got Connor, they have access to Connor, they know where Connor is and they know what his intention is. They could walk up and they could ask him for a sample any time and they haven't done it. I'm going to stand by that. And when they get to an arbitrator, whether that holds up or not, I'm not bullish on it. In fact, I'm kind of light on it. But from a, a historical standpoint, I am right. Because people have been tested that were not in the pool. And they were even punished. And they tried to say, but I wasn't in the pool. I'm not part of this. I'm not subject to this. They did not have oversight of me. It's a really important thing. There's things that you can do in life that because of your job are not allowed. Whereas anybody else, as long as they didn't have that specific job. I mean, it's a very relevant thing if you're in the pool or not. People are using in the media to hold this against Con. He removed himself from the pool because he was about to be in violation. If you're about to be in violation, get the hell out of the pool so that you're not breaking a rule. It's very relevant and it was very appropriately done. But this fight of time and, and which clause should we go to? They have a clause that a reasonable person is going to conclude means connor has got to be in there 180 days. That clause exists, but there's another clause where he doesn't. That clause a reasonable person could activate as well. I've cleared it up. I've said my piece. But my opinion and my message 
on the meaning of those words has not changed. give you a scenario, right? Let's say Dana White thought and or was worried that John Jones, now it could be any meaningful fighter that you got time and money into that people recognize and are willing to pay to see, right? This is a star-driven business. Some of you believe that you love MMA. I mean, you, you literally don't even know what you like. And that's, that's okay. The last person you would ask for an opinion of is the consumer. Do not ask the consumer what they want. They don't, they don't know, even if they give you an answer. So there are a lot of people that it's the greatest sport in the world, right? They're stars, they're celebrities. They come out, they, oh, it's the greatest sport in the world. I love it. It's the fastest growing. It's wonderful. Well, they, they didn't understand. They didn't care about the sport. They didn't watch the sport. They didn't go when it was a regional scene, a local show. They didn't go when it was a... They cared about these two athletes. They cared about the big fights. They cared about the story. It didn't have anything to do with the punches and the kicks, but they would swear it did. They would raise their hand on a bike. They would swear, I love the sport. Not realizing how driven it is by the personalities and the individual person, not the rules or the weight classes or what's stake at stake, which in many times is a championship. It's the individual. So when you have someone that you've been with a period of time, it takes time to build a star. At least in a broad stroke, it takes time. And when you have somebody that you've been with for a long time and they've got some years left and you'd like to get those years and you could even maximize those years, right? I mean, it's nothing wrong. This is all above board. And they are thinking of saying goodbye. Just, just get up and walk it out of the room. Could you imagine? I mean, could you imagine? Somebody great at something. Somebody's the best at something. And you really need that something as many times as you can get that something. And they just get up and walk out of the room. They're not hurt or tired. They haven't diminished. They're not about to get beat or embarrassed. Or they just get up and walk out of the room. It's a unique spot, right? So let's say you were in that spot. And it's not that John Jones, and it's not that in this case we're talking about John Jones, but it's not that the athlete is so damn big. It's not as though it's a Conor McGregor. It's not that it's uh, you know, Mike Tyson or De La Hoya or Floyd Mayweather right, draw, somebody that could really draw. It's, it's not like that. But compared to the rest of the field, it sure is. I got a room full. I got a roster full of mediocrity that's completely interchangeable. I got these two guys fighting. They're, they're on this card in this position. Okay, here, you know what? I'm going to pull them out. I'm not even going to put them on the card. We'll put two other guys in the same card. Nothing changes. No more media covers it. No more fans sell. No more merch. Nothing changes. You have interchangeable mediocrities, and then you have John. And it's not like John's a guarantee. It's, it's not. I understand that. But compared to everyone else, it is. So if you're worried that you're going to lose him, you don't have a ton of options. You could try to make sure that you gave him favorable matches, assuming 
that he would be driven by the victory. And on a lot of guys, you'd be right. That would do it. Or if you wanted to keep him, you knew him well enough and you worked with him for a decade and a half, that you could throw more money at it. Maybe you believe that that's the motivation he would need. Favorable matches, which is more money, which is, right? It's not a lot that you can do. But if you don't believe either one of those work, your next option is to come out to the public before he does and tell them after this one he's going to retire. And when you do that, you're now making a psychological play. But the addition of funds was a psychological play. It was to change his mind, not to change his bank account. The opponent, just by example, that was to, to change his mind and get him to want to do it. Just for example, it's all about changing his mind. So you would come out and you would tell the world, I feel after Stipe is going to retire. And then you'd support it. You'd support your own thesis with evidence. And that evidence is he would simply have nothing else to prove. As a matter of fact, and this is a seed you're trying to plant. Matter of fact, I'm not even sure. I don't, I don't even know if I'd have anything for him. Right? So now all of a sudden, this is our, this is our idea. I don't even know if I'd have anything for him. I th he, he would have cleaned out every error that there is. And, right? And, but, but, but you're doing that. Hoping the response from John is, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm dying to get back in there. I heard that Stipe's next, and I sure want him, but I'm taking a look at Sergey and Tom and whoever else is getting signed. I'm the champion. I'm going to be here a while. I'm going to book in this son of a bitch. He's the youngest champion ever. I will leave as the oldest champion. That's what you're hoping for. John comes out and gave you the opposite of what you wanted. He said, yeah, it's probably going to be my last fight. <laughs> now you're okay. All right. I made a move, but now you've made a move, right? And this is what's going on in front of you guys, right? This is a game of chess, and you're all seeing it. You just don't know that a game of chess is going on. You just, you just think, all right, the promoter said this, and John said, right, this is what you think. So then you come to me, and I, I, I tell you a little higher level of thinking. So promoter worries he's going to lose a guy that can sell more tickets than anybody else within the division. Promoter gets in front of it, says that he's going to retire. Guy comes out and says, yes, the promoter's right. Now it's the promoter's ball. And he could come out and he could say, hey, this is the next step to it. Hey, making the right decision. He really is. And what a guy, what a great fighter. But obviously, Pavlich is coming up, man. He's bigger than him. He's younger than him. He's 30 and oh, it's a hell of a lot better record. Hell of a lot more experience. John got kicked out of a gym. I know, I know who said he can't train at their gym. I don't even know who his trainer is. I don't know what Jimmy rep. Sergey Pavlovich. He got the blessing of Putin himself. You could play it that way. And you could try to insult. You could. And that would probably work, quite frankly. That would probably work. That's not what you wanted to go with. And now the relationship's about to say that's not what you wanted to go with. But that's where you will go if... You need to. Now, John says, I'm probably going to do steep and I'm probably going to roll out of here. Now, when John told that lie, he wasn't ready, like most liars, for a follow-up question, which is why? Why would you leave? You don't have enough money. You don't have enough money to leave, and in a, you have nothing else you can do, which no interview wants to say that to John. Right? They're scared of it. I wouldn't I mean, I'm scared of it, but it would be, it would be rude. So they're not going to ask him about that. 
And John ain't gonna say, man, I got nothing else I can do and I need the money. He's not, you're right, you just got this really weird spot where everybody's gonna be speaking in a, in a strange language. So once John says it, which isn't what you wanted to hear, you've gotta make a move. And one of your moves could be, well, hey, that's the right decision. Boy, is it. You can do there with Steve, you know, Steve Bates, great, 40 years old and, you know, sub 240. Not a very big, heavy, well, he did Sergei Pavlich, this is the right move. You, you could do that, and it's probably headed there. Or you can just move on without even discussing it. You can simply say, Stipe versus Jones, which is signed, by the way. I, I need to make sure I tell you that. I, I slipped that in a couple of days ago, but I need to tell you that real clear. BJ Penn uh, com had picked a wonderful website, but it picked up a piece that I had done with Brennan Shop where I said Pavlich and Jones is going to happen in terms of Sergi's been contacted and agreed. John has been contacted and has agreed. They're going to take one last crack at Stipe, but then they're going to this fight. I, I, I had brought this news. That's exactly what did happen. But Stipe, they've signed. They've signed and they've agreed to fight. So when you announce that fight, you announce the date and the on sale. Soon after that, you could come out and say, right, John Jones will say, this is going to be my last fight. Uh, John never planned to market his fight this way. It got handed to him. And he thought he was following the cues of the boss. He didn't know he was playing a game of chess. He heard the boss, so he tried to back up the boss. He didn't know why we were doing this. He just figured it was best for business. I mean, that's what actually happened here. But once you say something, it starts to become true. Once you say something, it starts to become a reality. It's just the laws of attraction are a very real thing. So now that this game of chess is continuing, when you announce the fight, you could then come up with other news, which is after this fight, we're going to have a vacant heavyweight championship, and we're looking for contenders now. Sergey Pavlovich has already been contacted. But I'm having Tom Aspinall fight so-and-so on this date, and they will draw into Sergi to fight for the belt that John is going to vacate after his match with Steve. And then you get John going, time the F out. I have never retired. I never said I was going to retire. Bring me that fat Russian. And quit telling me how dangerous he is. I'm mean, right. John can get pissed. John is going. John does not want to retire after Steve. He doesn't plan to retire. He doesn't have the money to retire. He didn't know that he was in an intellectual game with the master. He didn't know that. He thought he was back in the master. So he just said what he said. So it's a, it's an interesting spot. And this has been played out before, right? But with this, we had to do this with Henry Cejudo. Henry Cejudo grabs a mic at 246, says triple C's out. Dana said, don't, don't even ask me about this. Everyone's asking me, don't even ask me about it. I'm headed home on Tuesday and have a matchmakers meeting. I'm going to make a title fight for that weight class. If Henry calls me and he's the champion, then I will be getting him an opponent. If he doesn't call me, I will take him at his word. I will strip him and I will find two other guys to fight for the vacated belt. That ended everything. And very quickly. I'm just sharing with you. This is how these are things were done. This is why this was done. There was not a reality that John was going to retire after Steve. And when John said it, he just didn't know the game that was being played. He thought he was back in the boss. I'm just sharing with you what happened. John Jones is going to fight Stipe. John Jones is more than willing to fight Sergey. Look, I got to say it, right? I'm his nemesis. I got to say it. He was willing to fight Francis. He thought he was fighting Stipe. He ends up fighting Surreal, and he's going right back to Stipe, and he's already agreed to fight Sergey. 
You say what you want about John Jones, I'll continue to as well. Acting as though John is scared or he's not a competitor is simply not true. Francis Ngannou be remembered as a UFC champion. Interesting. It's very interesting because I feel as though the answer you're going to give has to do with right now how you view Francis Ngannou. Some of you are going to go, oh, he's the greatest. The greatest a champion. He never even lost. You're, you're, you're going to do that whole routine. You're not wrong. It's just not the question. How's he going to remember it? So what that implies is in time. Time go by. How are we going to look back and how are we going to see this? If you get aficionados together that can really break it down. Like, you know, those those real weird guys that, that'll tell you, uh, you know, well, there's only been 23 UFC heavyweight champions. And, uh, you know, Randy Couture was on that list multiple times. And Tim Sylvia is on that multiple times. And uh, uh, Frank Mears more than once. And I, they start breaking it down. Cain Velasquez had uh, 800 days where he was the champion. And uh, uh, Stephen Miocic had, you know, we, we get guys that start breaking down. You got weirdos is what you have. And, and I don't feel that that would imply to the question. Because that do that doesn't incorporate the masses. They're going to take one look and then know to either bravo for your past work or be a little bit more lukewarm. Like, I'll give you a great example on Ngannou. It's very hard for me to believe that Francis Ngannou could beat Daniel Cormier. I, I can't close my eyes and see that. However, Daniel Cormier has stated that Francis Ngannou would beat him. I don't remember anybody else Daniel has ever said that about. And it's not like those two are buddies. So I, I, I really don't have the ability to come in and say Daniel would beat Francis, even though it's what I think. I, I can't say that. I mean, if we're just talking and Daniel has already said, no, I can't, I, I, I've got to go with that. Would you put Verdum over Francis? Let's just ask you that question. If you look at what, what, what Verdum has accomplished, would you put him in front of Francis? L let's look at how Francis won the belt. Because ultimately, I believe, in present time, but also as we fast forward, if Francis has a level of success, when we look down the road in time, Francis versus John Jones, Francis and John Jones, I, I believe they're going to be reconnected much stronger in the future than they are right now. That only comes with Francis having success and John having continued success. But if that happens, that conversation of this era between those two will live on. And there, there's nothing more those two could possibly hope for. That's a very rare thing, and it would be great. They both defeated the same guy to become champion. What do you make of that? And that is one that I don't have the answer to. Talking about Surreal Gone. Surreal Gone is great, for sure. I don't always make it sound like he's great, but he is. Surreal was not scared of Francis. Francis will knock you out badly. Francis has knocked men out badly. That seems to me like that would be a scary thing. But Surreal wasn't scared. Surreal has also knocked men out. And I think the fact that they shared a practice room 
it did what Clayton Hires calls, it took the mask off. There are some guys that have a mask and that aura around them is so scary. But once you get in there with them, even if that can be done in the practice room, it takes the mask off. The fear is gone. You now realize it's, it's one person against another person. And I think that that was very helpful for Surreal. I think because Surreal was frightened to, of John Jones to the point it paralyzed him. And it just wouldn't seem like John would be as scary as Francis. He's, he's not going to hit you and knock you out. He doesn't have a history of hitting people and knocking them out. He's not as big. He's not as strong. He's not as mysterious. It would seem that you'd be more scared of Francis than you would John, if you want to break it down to that word. But Francis and Surreal had the benefit of training together. Did that make a difference? And when I tell you how scared Surreal was to do the fight, I'm not looking to tease him. I, I made that same walk Surreal did. You know you're going in there with a special talent. And, and more than anything, one of the things about John that will create an intimidation if you go and you watch his fights, leading into your fight, you're going to go watch his fights, you and your trainer, and you sit down, you got a notepad. It's a very common part of the process. One of the big takeaways you're going to see with John is that he's different and better meaningfully in each fight. Every single fight he does, he does something that damages the opponent, something that matters within the contest that he has never done before. And so you know for sure whatever he brings is going to be a lot to deal with. But I also know that he has a secret weapon that he has not shown. We don't know what it is, but it's historically been very effective. Right? It's just one of these things. It's one of the mental pieces. The, the takedown that John hit Surreal with, it, it, that's not a takedown. Like, like, don't go back and watch that if you're in a spire and slow it down and try to figure out the technique. That should not have worked. That doesn't work. That's not a train move. That's not a real move. John was not expecting that to get him down. John was changing area. He was looking to change elevation. And Surreal fell down. I mean, that's when we go, oh, he doesn't want to be in here. And I, I'm just bringing that to your attention because that's going to be the common opponent. And you had very different outcomes. I mean, you had one long, drawn out, arguable and controversial. And then you had another guy that had the most Dominant victory in title fight history for that division. And you're only separated it by five, six months. I mean, we're not talking about years. We're not talking about different era, different kinds. It's in his prime. He's still in his prime. It's, just, it's one of these things. And then how much credit will Francis get for beating Cain Velasquez? That's his greatest victory. That is the greatest win that he's had. Francis appears to be fairly one-dimensional. If he can't use his hands, he's, he's in trouble. Or one might think, right? Well, Kane's not that way. Kane is completely well-rounded. So when Francis goes out and he deals with a guy that's completely well-rounded, it's, it's a big deal. Particularly the fact that Francis dealt with him so convincingly and so quickly. It's the greatest win that he had. The greatest and most impressive where you go, whoa. That's the fight. And most of you don't even know that they fought. It wasn't even on a pay-per-view. I mean, I'm, I'm just sharing for you. Like, it just wasn't at that time a big match. And then it was so dominant by Francis that we it got dismissed. And that will also happen. When a guy goes out and he's he's so dominant over his opponent and he does it so quickly, we, we will chalk it up to the referee misunderstood. And that's what 
many claimed in this fight. We'll chalk it up to, 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 to a fluke. And we just don't really give the guy the benefit that he deserves. And I, I do think that happened to Francis. I think that's his most impressive fight. And as I said, most people don't know about it. So how will Francis be remembered as UFC champion is greatly going to have to do with how he does in the future. Because if he continues to win and John continues to win, and this is the fight that got away, I'm just saying someday they both retire and they go up and that discussion will be that that's going to be very helpful for them. If they get an answer to that question, that's going to be very helpful for one of them. And I'm wondering, what do you think? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And guys, I need your help. I want to make this podcast the biggest in sport. And to get there, I just ask one simple favor of you. Follow the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Just hit the little plus sign. After all I do for you, don't you think you owe me that? Okay, guys, look. I'm going to be back for more analysis on Tuesday. We will recap the weekend and so much more. Until then, I'm Jail Sonnen. And you are welcome.